0: This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com.
1: Kia ora tāto. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. Mikaela Naimen toko My name is Mikaela Naimen, and I'm your host welcome. This show focuses on the arts and creativity in Taranaki and beyond. We aim to cover the diversity of arts from painting, literature, songwriting, theater, pottery, poetry, sculpture, and how the creative arts contribute to our community, as well as our own sense of purpose and well-being. The Sugarloafing Artscast is generously supported by the Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Center. Stay tuned to find out more. I'm so pleased today to be out at Parihaka. And here's a biochar event that is connected to Te Ao Liquid Constituencies. And we are at the Parihaka Mara today. And I'm also very pleased to be talking to a number of uh, the artists and people involved in this. And uh, I'm here with Huana Kia ora. Can you tell us a bit about your role here in this event today?
2: Uh, my role in this event today is as a member of Nuku Drawing Ecology's group. And we're a group of artists and designers with a strong environmental or kaitiakitanga bent. So we're coming from Māori or non-Māori perspectives about uh, envisaging a better world that we would like to see. So subsequently, many of us in the group um, have had long environmental histories in different projects, whether it be for freshwater, for for moana, for whenua, you know, soil. Um, Yeah, a lot of us have been active in... And environmental space for a long period of time.
1: Mm. And
2: uh, you're with uh, Massey University. Uh, yep, I'm, I have a day job. Oh. And my day <laughs> job is on the head of school, head of school of art, Fitiorehua, mm-hmm. at uh, Toire Wharangi, the College of Creative Arts at Massey University, based in Wellington. And then we also have a connection to the Puyoho Kiapati program undergraduate to PhD that comes out of Palmerston North. And and then we also have links to the School of Design as well through the photography program. So I kind of look after fine art, or the Māori visual arts program, and photography. That's
1: my my day job. Yes, fantastic. And uh, you've been up here since yesterday, then, as part of uh, your group, to be part of this event specifically, because right now you can actually see part of this uh, amazing exhibition at Govet Brewster?
2: Yep, correct. Well, we, um, for the to Liquid Constituencies exhibition,
1: um, uh,
2: members of Tawai Tuhi Anuku did a installation on biochar for the Waikokapu stream, which is based on our little farm in Kuku. And, and so we manifest that. And then as a group, we are part of the public program. So. Monique, myself, we've got Fel Stevens who's the biochar guru um, we all came up, we've come up with Farno. we we've come up with other members of the group and uh, we're just trying to spread the kind of positive message of um, biochar and it's, um, it's an enormous honour to actually be here at Parihaka, mm. to be doing this kind of work for the Pari, uh, Parihaka Māra and their Mārakai um, and also to be coming to a place that's dedicated to runga There, So in many senses, just leave all our other stresses and mm. other kind of responsibilities and just focus on creating biochar and leaving that biochar
1: here for the uh, mm. benefit of the Parihaka community. Mm. And some of it is also going to be used for artistic pursuits. (laughs) Yes, some of it will be. I did bring a
2: bucket up for Monique from the Cuckoo, the last Cuckoo biochar burn, because she'll be doing a workshop tomorrow um, and showing people how to make biochar paint, which she's perfected for us, um, which is fantastic. So she's perfected um, like the crushing process, so um, the nutribullet. Is making crushed biochar, <laughs> and then we're putting that biochar through like a hand, you know, hand crushing further to get a really fine uh, paste, and then mixing that with methyl cellulose and water to create a really black, carbon black paint, which is fantastic for stenciling. Mm. And, and we've been using because we we created this project that's all going to return back to Fenua. So that that exhibition, the weed mat, um, the the newsprint. Work on the wall can actually return back to mm. the Fenua. Um We are, uh, you know, that paint is quite inert. So methyl cellulose is like the, mm,
3: this, it's is the this is edible food
2: stuff. Well, this is the yeah, it's totally safe. It's totally inert in the fact that it's not wallpaper paste because that has other kind of um, accelerants and different things in it. So uh, this is methyl cellulose mixed with crushed biochar. Mm. And then
1: makes this beautiful black paint. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, awesome. sounds awesome. So I just have to ask him because you are then, um, you know, in the halls of academia as well as mm. uh, here on the ground doing all this work. How do you combine those two? Like, how do they sit next to each other? Because you seem to be involved in so many amazing things, and at the same time, you know, academia is kind mm. of. Uh, mm an elitist, forbidding institution yeah, as well as yeah. something that should be... You yeah, know.
2: kind of, sort of, but I don't really want to play no. in that kind of field. No. So I think, um, I mean, I am an academic, with the, you can't see my inverted fingers going up, um, but I do write about this a lot, and I do write um, co-authored papers with others, singular papers, etc., around the work that we do, because I've just been really... I've created my research world I've generated a research world which is all about um, action-orientated projects that are infused with art and design Mm. or they're inspired by Mm. art and design and that we bring all of our sensibilities of seeing a better world into that space. Mm. So I think, um, you know, you apply methodologies, you you know, you look at different theoretical bases. I mean, there's, you know, environmental ethics involved. There's, you know, or principles of kaitiakitanga or mātaranga Māori or... Any ways of just bringing those knowledge systems together and then be able to write about it. Mm. So yeah, I have a research platform which combines them mm. all, and and there are many of um, others of us out there doing similar kind of things. Mm. You know, I can think of um, people like you know Joyce Campbell at Auckland and um, um, Sarah Smuts Kennedy. Um, I mean, these are really fantastic artists who are seriously interrogating. The precarious world that we inhabit yeah. and then how they're promulgating their own artwork but they're also able to articulate it from an academic context yeah.
1: but yeah these i think um and because com- of the applied area as well yeah. you you are able to actually translate it so people who are not academic necessarily yeah. also yeah. can see what you are wanting to convey yeah. and yeah. i think that's fantastic yeah
2: no i think we've um we've protect uh, pr- uh, look um we've uh, perfected, I should say, we've perfected a methodology about how we disseminate this complexity and make it readable. And uh, I know my cousin Moira Potama and I have been doing this for a number of years. Um, how to make this more understood by our own people, yeah. um, you know, the complexities of, and the kind of precarity of climate change, the uncertainty, you know, there's a science element, there's a Māta element, you know, how do we bring those things together? Yeah. But I think all we've really tried to do is just use um, design and art visual systems or even, you know, um, Toy Māori visual systems to try and show people that there's a different
1: way of seeing Mm. ourselves in the world. And so an art exhibition is one way a uh, biochar event where yeah, you is, have another way. is another way.
2: Because if you hear the stories that are coming out when people are standing around the fire, like standing around the kiln, and then you know Phil will give a full-on kind of you know the microbiological kind of world of biochar, and then you kind of say, come over here, colleague Jonathan Kay, who's a trained scientist, but he's also a photographer and an artist. And so, come and listen to this call it all. And then you've got someone else who reacts to things in a different kind of way with, the, with their practice, like Maria O'Toole. And then suddenly you just get these really rich conversations. And then there's the, you know, the person from Stratford who's come over to check this out and the, the one that's really concerned about forestry. And they all start talking. And then before you know, you've got this transference of knowledge going across the kiln. And that we've done so many burns now and we've met so many amazing people and I think the really important thing with just what um Aotearoa has experienced in the last fortnight and the last oh, month
1: Absolutely.
2: as it's it's the change has to happen now. Like we're 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 actually behind time. We yeah. are seriously behind yeah. time in regards to being prepared or understanding of what's actually happening in our yeah. places now with the climate change impacts. So there's been kōrero about that as well. And Phil um, Phil Stevens from Ashhurst, who's from Slow Farms in Ashurst. he's going off to speak to the Ministry. Mm. Of, I think it's either next week, and they're starting to have some big, serious conversations about how do you make, how do you upscale this for the forestry industry? Yeah. How do you say forestry industry, you actually need to change your processes
1: mm, mm. Take and take some then
2: responsibility. Mm. Absolutely, take some responsibility. Mm. Put some investment in where you are taking responsibility for the waste you generate. Mm. Because what it has shown clearly in the precarity of the impact of climate change, because humans haven't acted enough, mm. fast enough, mm. or we've da- damaged so much mm. now, is that you know systems are coming back at us. So mm. Nātouamāti, Papatuanuku, you know Pārufenemamere—they're all coming back and saying, "Hey, we're not happy," yeah. and, and making. Yeah. You know, it's making issue for people on the ground. But I think in particular, uh, when people start having creative conversations and activating creative spaces where we say, you need to change now and innovate now, then you've got the opportunity to get some really fantastic things coming out. And and I suppose that's why, for all the people who are attracted through Tawatu Hianuku Drawing Ecologies Group, you know, national, international... Um, indigenous, non-Indigenous, we are converging and bringing systems of understanding mm. together
1: mm. to actually make, mm. to make the change we need. So for anyone who listens to this and would be keen to connect with the group, are you open to people um, connecting? Yes. How do they find you? Yeah, Well, they can find us at, at Massey through
2: huhana.smith.ac.nz. That's my email, that's my work email. I think that's probably the best at the moment. Uh, we've got um, as I said we've got a lot, lot of people on the ground doing uh, a lot of really important things so I mean I can always just you know shoot people off to different people and say well if this if you're asking questions about that I can just fire them through and, and fast forward them to the, those who'll know better, more than me yeah.
1: okay fantastic to talk to you Hugana okay, and okay, amazing yeah. that you guys came up and thank you so much for doing the burn here So welcome back to uh, Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. I'm Michaela Nyman and I'm the host for the Sugarloafing Artscast and we are grateful for the sponsorship of govett Brewster Gallery and Len Lai Center. And I'm here today at Parihaka with Phil Stevens from Slow Farm and we are doing a biochar event Welcome, Phil, or I should say thank you for having me
3: <laughs> ora. You know it's, it's real it's a real honor to be here actually Parihaka has been on my um, on my bucket list for a number of years and it's uh, it's really quite a humbling experience to be here at last and yeah stand on this ground and and hopefully um, you know contribute a little bit of mahi that'll help the cause
1: yes, and so uh, when we started out this morning, uh, we are burning biochar here uh, could you tell the listeners a bit about what is biochar
3: right so biochar is a it's a high quality form of charcoal it's the the basic definition i like to use is it's charcoal that we've produced at a sufficiently high temperature to drive off all the volatiles so all the tars and oils and things that are in the wood and whose intentional or whose final purpose the intended purpose is for use in the soil or in the environment, and not to be burnt as as fuel. So, biochar is uh, is charcoal by another name, but it is it is a the term is used to describe a specific form of charcoal and its intended use.
1: Mm. And what are the benefits then?
3: Well, in the soil, it does a lot of things. It holds water, so um, it'll it'll help in uh, in drought proofing and, and managing water scarcity but it also improves the soil structure and aeration. So people with, with tight and um, waterlogged soils can benefit from biochar as well. Biochar improves the um, microbial capacity of soils. So the, the soil life, the beneficial organisms that are important to fertility, really enjoy biochar, they, they tend to move in and set up shop there. It's a bit like a coral reef.
1: Mm, I love that analogy with the coral reef. But you were also talking about the way it kind of helps aerate the things that it is spongy, allows the microbes and the ear and everything, the nutrition to go through. So it's not, yeah, it's not solid. It helps aerate and build up the
3: soil. Yeah, it's got an incredible amount of surface area. So um, the biochar that I make on average, a handful of it has about a hectare of surface area inside what? of its little uh, microporous structure.
1: Wow, this yeah. is like uh, Doctor Who's TARDIS.
3: It's it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of space and a lot of a, a lot of um, and the, these are the nooks and crannies where the bacteria and fungi live, and also places where we have um, chemical uh, points. They're called attachment points where nutrients can be absorbed, Mm. so excess nitrates, for example. So we have
1: here had the joy and pleasure to be using a kiln that is like a cone structure, really, where you are burning dry wood at really high temperature, trying to see that there is not too much oxygen so you don't get a lot of ash in it. Um, what is the difference with doing this in your own backyard and what you have been showing us so far? Because the kiln is actually open. It's an open brazier. It
2: really.
3: is. Yeah. yeah, in fact the, the design evolved from uh, a traditional Japanese charcoal production method. So the the evolution of this kiln went through a, a developer in Switzerland who through some trial and error and measurement of different properties came across a particular set of dimensions and and more of an angle, the the sloping angle of the sides. And what he discovered is that if we keep a flame cap, and that is uh, active flame across the entire surface of the burning material, it limits the oxygen. It keeps the air from flowing into the embers so they don't get consumed. So it's protecting the carbon that's in the wood that's already burnt down. The flame cap also consumes all the smoke. So all the volatiles that are being released from this bed of, of embers are having to travel through the flames before they escape, and that causes all the particulates and things to be completely oxidized. So what
1: we will see at the end of this, and it's at least four hours, five hours of burn, is something that is um, you know, heavily, the charcoal goes through the whole Pieces of wood does mm. it, so yeah. it's not just surface.
3: Right, it's it's all the way through the center.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So this morning when we started with the lovely karakia, you also talked about the relationship between humans and fire. Mm. It was quite philosophical. I thought it was really lovely. Would you mind uh, telling us a bit about that?
3: Yeah, so that was just a bit of a background and and scene setting exercise. And the reason I like a flame cap burn so much is that is it it is um it's really standing around a fire and and when we do this type of burn to create biochar it's a very accessible and social sort of thing so you can have a group of people and you're just calmly standing around tossing chunks of wood into a fire having uh having korero sharing stories um learning it's it's a it's a you know it's a social thing and i think this feeds something in innate to the the human um you know human desire for companionship and, and society. And it also speaks to the fact that we are evolved, we are co-evolved with fire. That uh, humans, one of, one of the earliest developments we had was the, the harnessing of fire, the, the ability to take fire and use it purposefully. And by doing that, we then hastened a lot of things in our own evolution. We were able to hunt more effectively we were able to cook food and thereby uh, we didn't need such large teeth and large jaw muscles to drive those teeth because we could, we could cook our food and, and make it softer and easier to digest. And that meant that uh, the human brain is actually, um, or the human head, the skull size of a human baby is a very limiting feature. It can't get any bigger or uh, women would die in childbirth. So the trade-off was previously our heads had to be a certain size to support these great big bone um, features and attachment points for muscle so that we could grind up horse foods. When we introduced fire into our, our daily routines and started cooking food, the shape of our skulls changed. So the skulls could then accommodate a bigger brain, a larger frontal brain, especially. Mm. And that led to things like language and social organization. But the other thing fire did was it gave us a place to gather. And when we gathered around the fire, the the proceeds of the hunt were shared out among the community. And we sat in front of the fire and we warmed ourselves and we told stories mm. and we told myths and we told creation stories and legends. And those stories were handed down and that all happened around a fire. So the fire was very essential to the social fabric.
1: Mm. So have we lost that, do you think?
3: I think we have turned away from it in a large part due to industrialization. We've taken fire and we've contained it and sequestered it and removed it from everyday life. Mm. And I think we've done so at at a cost. Mm. We could do
1: a bit more with um, open fire, gathering around, telling those stories, getting off our gadgets.
3: Mm, very much so, yeah. That, that's that's part of part of what I like about it is you know you stand around the fire and it becomes a sort of a um, you're reclaiming your primitive essence a little bit and mm. it's it's very nice.
1: Mm. And the connection part. I met so many amazing people here mm. today, so uh, yeah privilege to talk to you and thank you so much for coming to Taranaki and doing this bird. Oh,
3: my pleasure entirely. I'm glad to be here.
1: I could tell you
4: I was fragile I could tell you I was weak I could write you out a little, Tell you anything i seen minutes turned to hours, hours turned to years, and I've seen truth turned to
5: power.
4: If you could see me, we well, I see
1: Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast, and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. We are grateful to Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Center for sponsoring this show. And today I'm at Parihaka at the Mara and having this amazing biochar event here which is a workshop session exploring biochar as a response to climate change and i've talked to a few of the people and i'm here with monique jansen
4: <laughs> <laughs> and uh,
1: monique you are part of the uh, Te Ao liquid constituencies exhibition at the moment so you're an artist but you also work with biochar and uh, you are going to run a few workshops while you are here can you tell me a bit, what is it about biochar, and uh, you have developed something very specific when it comes to your artistic practice, I understand.
0: Well, my first art crush was charcoal. Oh really? <laughs> yeah.
1: Life drawing. Big
0: art crush, yeah. <laughs> Any drawing with charcoal. Yes. So that started, you know, way at high school, before I even went to art school, I loved charcoal. So I I love always had a with <laughs> drawing with charcoal, so that was my first, first kind of art crush. Um, so have always worked with charcoal, kind of trained as a printmaker, so working with lots of ink oh. and, and blacks, and you know, like, you know, all that kind of. Very gra- and, and coming, you know, family coming from Northern Europe, where there's such a strong graphic tradition. So I was very kind of inculcated with kind of strong graphic black and white imagery and things like that that kind of lend themselves to charcoal and printmaking. But in my in my real in my real life, when I'm not an artist, I'm also an avid gardener and permaculturalist, and uh, biochar is one of the tools in the permaculture toolkit around soil regeneration. So I've known about biochar for for a while, and been making it myself at home, and using it in my garden, and. Um, so there's these been kind of two parallel things. Then when we, uh, I started um, collaborating with uh, Huhana Smith, and uh, and we've kind of a bunch of us have created this collective called um, Te Wakituia Nuku, and uh, that started, kick-started off on Huhana's iwi farm, family farm in the Hora Whenua. And and the idea of this big project, which Huhana's probably talked about, but is about bringing artists and designers and climate scientists and freshwater ecologists and Iwi all together to imagine a better future. Mm. And based on that Iwi land, how could we regenerate and bring back the health, the Modi of that whenua and and using the arts to activate the imagination around that, which is often what you know artists and mm. are good at, right? They're good at kind of let's, let's give something a try and see what happens. We don't kind of think about you know a business plan or a, or anything like that. We're Just let's try some stuff out, see what happens. Um, so artists are quite good at that. So being part of that plan, we we have, have been down in Kuku and doing really uh, beautiful um, hui down there and um, hikoi over the land and learning that land and the stories of that land and of Ngāti Te Kōrahi, the, the iwi down there. I realised this was the perfect opportunity for me to bring my charcoal art love in with my permaculture biochar and look at um, a stream restoration project for um, Huhana's farm there. So the Waikokapu stream is the little stream that runs through her land um, and it's a classic kind of degraded farm stream that gets dredged. You know, the council dredge it during the year, and which means you've ended up with a steep-sided a, a channel, basically. It's no longer a stream, it's a drain. Mm. Um, and the idea is to regenerate that. And so one of the ways that we're uh, experimenting with regenerating it is making biochar from all the offcuts of timber from that site so right next to the stream is the old plum tree that died and the olive prunings that come off the olive grove the way the olive grove and burning them to make charcoal but um,
1: uh, but we are talking about the natural offcuts yes, so not yeah. um, treated timber no definitely no no, no, no you trees. can't do it with treated yeah. yeah
0: yeah just you know um, kindling trees you can also make biochar out of, you know, um, macadamia nut shells or, oh, or corn husks or anything like that that's carbonous. So really carbonous matter. So we're making charcoal from that land, from trees that are grown on that land, putting the the charcoal into old coffee sacks from the local coffee roastery um, from Dark Horse Coffee down in Carpentie. Um, and um, placing those into the stream, staking them in oh, to okay. act as a water filtration. So to try and clean the water. And everyone that
1: knows stream. that you can have a charcoal filter yeah. that you buy from the shop to put in your water tap. Exactly. But this is like the same, same principle. Yeah. Charcoal's
0: always been a good filter. Interesting. So that's one of the experiments and then the then the other kind of art experiment is to take that Chaco, I've been grinding it up and I've been mixing it in with methyl cellulose, which is a really uh, food, neutral. Food stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, a, it's a wood fibre, basically. Mm. It's a glue. So it's used in conservation, like for book binding, for conservation of museum supplies and things like that. So it's a very, very neutral kind of. Uh, Mixing that into a paste, because I figured whatever I was going to need to bind the charcoal to make it into a paint or an ink, it has to go back to the land. So it has to be edible, effectively, (laughs) for it to go back to the land and not cause any damage.
1: Non-poisonous. Yeah,
0: so methylcellulose seemed like the best option. So we grind up um, the charcoal from Huhana's trees that we've made into this paint and then we've been using it to stencil the coffee sacks with the name Waikō Kapu and um, also stenciling really large weed mats that we've got. So that's uh, New Zealand grown and manufactured hemp weed mats. To the like the weed mats you see along the side of the motorway when they do plant, mm. new plantings. So it's that stuff. Comes in big 30-metre rolls. We've stenciled an image onto that of a uh, waiwai pakura, which is the swamp hen feet, the Pukiko feet symbol. It's a kind of um, interpretation of that traditional tukutuku panel um, pattern. And um, we've stenciled that onto the weed mat, and that's the sample you can see in the gallery at the Gubbit Brewster. But the aim, of course, is that we're going to uh, print... I think six of those are 30 meters long each with that. And then this winter, the six of them are going to go along each stream edge of this patch of the Waikōkūpū oh. stream. So you'll see this pattern weaving down the, the sides of the stream Beautiful. and then get planted into. And of course the biochar that's been stenciled on there will just wash away in the rain into the stream and that's completely fine. But yeah, we'll, we'll photograph that. So it's it's kind of, it's you know, it's a planting stream restoration project but we've added that kind of creative visual practice mm. in it because that we figure that that stimulates conversation mm. and excitement and interest in mm. biochar and stream restoration in a way that a normal stream restoration mm. might not.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's what art is so great at, the kind of conceptual thinking, and then you have an event or something and you draw attention mm. to things that people might overlook. Yeah, beautiful. So when you talk about permaculture then, for someone who is not then uh, into permaculture, how would you describe the permaculture that you are into? Uh,
0: so, so permaculture is basically an kind of agglomeration of lots of traditional knowledge from many continents, <laughs> indigenous knowledge from here, from Australia, from but all my ancestors in Holland did a lot of these practices you know these these were kind of you know historic kind of agricultural practices regenerative agricultural kind of practices but the term permaculture was coined by Bill Molson David Holmgren in Australia in the 1970s I think Mm. they they a lot of interplanting yeah Yeah. so it's just what it is it's basically it's a set of design principles and theories it's not an ideology and it is not a set of rules for how to do gardening it's a it's a set of design philosophies and principles that you could apply to anything. And it's a lot of just really kind of common sense, interesting principles that you can just apply to the way you live in the world, the way you are in the world, to your garden, to your home, to cities, to countries. And there's some really common principles like, you know, thinking about the world from pattern to detail. So thinking about the bigger pattern, right nailing down into detail so that you understand context Whole, you know, so, so it's really holistic thinking. And it's
1: also about plants feeding each other, isn't it? Correct. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, um, uh, you know, some other principles are like stacking functions and closing the ecological loop, so that you so that you're not um, so you're being as efficient as as possible with resources. So you you don't take things off your site and you don't have to bring things on. So you compost everything in your own, you know, kitchen and garden to feed back into your soils. So you don't bring compost mm. in and send the rubbish out. It's those kinds of principles. Mm. And then yeah, in terms of the kind of practical really gardening stuff it, it applies all those things like use of composting and biochar and companion planting and um, you know heavy mulching and all those kind of you know regenerative organic organic mm. gardening practices that people are starting to become yeah, well. You know, rediscover mm. and you
1: um, talked about earlier about um, not tilling the soil unnecessarily yeah. and things like that Yeah,
0: because we don't want to release the carbon into the air that that's basically what we've been doing we've been ripping up the soil and release all that carbon into the air so one of the things that biochar is trying to achieve and it's again it's it's just one tool and in one are many things we need to be doing, but it's one way of sequestering carbon into the soil. So you take the, the carbonous matter, the trees, it's carbon, you um, char them, uh, and then it becomes a very stable, very rich source of carbon. If you bury that back into the soil, it's, that carbon's locked into the soil. And then if you don't till, if you don't dig up your, your soil, that carbon stays in the earth. And so that's how we, we can, you know, one of the small things that we can do to help, you know, reduce greenhouse gases, we mm. just need to lock carbon back into the soil and stop releasing it by driving cars and digging, ploughing mm. our fields, and all the things we're doing that is putting carbon into the atmosphere. Mm. And we need to stop poisoning as well. Yes, <laughs> of course. It's, yeah, it's, you know, permaculture—it's kind of goes yeah outside. it's organic practices, yes. so it's <laughs> definitely about no, no sprays and no toxins, and working. The, the principle is to work with nature. Not, not fight against it. So, when you're thinking about your home garden or your farm or your site, it's like you, your first principle is close observation. Mm. Where are the winds coming from? Where are the wet areas? Where are the dry areas? Don't fight it and try and plant something that needs water in a really dry, arid, windy area and, and vice versa. So, it's just the, it's, it's a design principle. Mm. So, like just use clever design. Just use your brain, use design, plant where appropriate, do things where they're appropriate, where, where you won't be fighting Mother Nature, where mm. you'll be working together. Mm.
4: Towards a common aim
0: to, to feed yourself, and to and while doing that, you don't strip from Mother Nature, you add, you, you regenerate mm. the mm. soils while, rather than stripping the soils.
1: Beautiful. Very inspirational. Thank you so much for coming up here and sharing all this knowledge. And for anyone who hasn't seen the exhibition, just pop into Bruce Brewster uh, Art Gallery and look at uh, the ground floor in the first gallery, and there's all about this biochar and what you can do with it and thank you so much
0: for oh, you're coming. Welcome. Thank you for coming today. We've had a wonderful day at Parihaka. Yes. It's great. So thank you to the Parihaka, yeah, Iwi thank Fano you, Parihaka for hosting Fana. us because this is a magical, very special place. So it
1: is. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Kyo. Kia ora. Kia ora. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Sugar Loafing Artscast on 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Nyman and you can contact me with feedback and ideas for shows at Access Radio Taranaki or email me on community at accessradiotaranaki.com. You can check out the artists, guests and their fabulous work on our Sugar Loafing Facebook page and Instagram. To listen to previous episodes of the show, go to accessradiotaranaki.com and search us up under Current Shows. The Sugar Sugarloafing Artscast was made possible with the support of govett Brewster Art Gallery and the Len Lye Center. Until next week. This show was made at Access Radio
3: Tadnaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for com.